It's Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. Hello, and welcome to Monster Mondays. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, co-host of the podcast Film Seizure, that you can catch each Wednesday morning at FilmSeizure.com or at a number of podcast providers online. We're back at it with the Ultra Q series this week. Uh, We're going to be looking at episodes 5 and 6. Episode 5, Pegula is here, features another flying creature that looks to be a bit of a mix of Rodan in terms of the shape and the wings on his body. And Godzilla, when it comes to his head and his face and his features there, um, except he has a couple of extra tusks coming out of his cheeks. That's pretty cool. Episode 6 is called Grow Up Little Turtle. It almost seems like that guy, named Gameron, looks a lot like Gamera. So let's talk about that a little bit, shall we? Gameron looks a little more like your typical snapping turtle, with the way that his mouth has something more of a beak than the Dae creature Gamera had. Now, Gamera had a much more rounded face and tusks. Heh, tusks, like Pegula. Uh, but anyway... Uh, Gamera was first, appearing in his first film in 1965. Gameron appeared in this episode in February 1966. Now, Gamera's name comes from the Japanese word for turtle, kame, uh, with the common suffix in kaiju names, ra, put at the end. However, the kamera, or camera, would have sounded too close to camera so they changed the ka sound to a ga and we get gamera now gameron is using the same concept and is basically taking his name directly from the dae creature now considering that dae is a competitor of toho and therefore was pro- uh, probably uh subaraya productions competitor too considering how close toho and subaraya were uh i'm curious if they if that created any issue between the companies Maybe not, because I'm sure we would have heard about beef between Ultra Q and Gamera. Maybe it was just like a tip of the cap from one company to the other. Either way, Gameron was on TV screens a mere 10 weeks after Gamera appeared for the first time on, on the big screen. But, anyway, let's get into our first episode, Pegula is Here. Now, we begin with a ship sailing by Antarctica when suddenly something with a lot of smoke flies by pretty close overhead. Soon, the ship is knocked around and is losing control and so forth. And on board the ship, there's a woman carrying a peculiar bag full of soil from Tokyo. She says that she plans to spread it around the Japanese research base that's in Antarctica. And she says that one person in particular will especially appreciate it. At the research base, the men stationed there are considering their options. Uh, Winter appears to be coming early by way of unexpected blizzards. Supplies will be hard to come by if blizzards kick up like that, and they won't have enough on hand to survive through the winter if they don't plan to leave in one week time. Um, Now, acting as a special correspondent for the Daily News, our helicopter pilot friend, June, learns of the disappearance of a staff member at the facility in the past. And uh, this staff member had this this kind of mysterious journal entries regarding something uh, that he saw that he ultimately names Pagula. Now, the base is experiencing all sorts of strange things, sudden massive drops in temperature, um, people outside actually physically see a snowmobile flying off the ground and away into the air. June finds out through the journal 
that this missing researcher also experienced these strange things three years prior. It's all just happening again, just as it did when the missing staff member experienced it. Now, as another snowmobile begins to hover off the garage floor, we see that Pagula is outside in the blizzard and vanishes into the whirling snow. When another member of the team returns from also being stuck outside in the blizzard, he claims to have seen the man who went missing three years prior named Namira. Yoko, the lady from the boat with the bag of soil, goes out to try to find Namira once she learns there will be no more attempt to search for him before, basically before winter sets in. Yoko is found ultimately being guarded by the dog that Namura owned that would have also likely gone missing three years ago with Namura. But the dog was also guarding where Namura's body is ultimately found by June and the commander of the base, which is under the ice right where they found Yoko. Now, nobody sees that Pegula is sneaking up on them until he's basically right there on top of them. And the creature begins to blow powerful gusts with his breath, and that's what causes all these heavy equipment to basically begin to lift up and fly away. However, the monster ultimately turns away after blowing everybody around. Now, Yoko and June end up uh, nearby one another, and she tells him that she was Namira's fiance. Um, the pair is found, but Yoko discovers there is a peculiar moss on Namura's dog, and that might explain why he was able to survive three years in, in the wilds of Antarctica. That's what he was eating, and also why uh, Pegula ultimately backed off when he attacked earlier. It's the moss that the creature doesn't like. And after running some tests, there's a peculiar compound in the moss that is very clearly what Pegula is avoiding. And as the monster closes in on the base, the base's commander decides to put their fate basically in these findings and that their only option is to use the moss against the monster. They put some of the moss in a missile that they fire at Pegula, which makes him flee Antarctica and ultimately saving the base and everyone who worked there. It also uh, undoes a lot of the uh, weird weather patterns that were going on down there as well. Namura is ultimately buried, and Yoko, as a final tribute, spreads the dirt from Tokyo over his grave to bring a little bit of home to his final resting place. And now, it's time for a strange little story about a strange little boy and his turtle. As Grow Up Little Turtle begins, we meet the little boy Taro. Now, Taro is uh, particularly fascinated by his pet turtle, Gameron. Even during school, he's constantly monitoring the, the turtle's weight, length, and making sure that it's fed properly. Now, he gets into trouble for having the turtle in school and not paying attention in class. And after school, it seems as though he's serving out some detention for bringing his turtle to uh, class. And he witnesses two criminals trying to escape after robbing a bank. And Taro tries to tell his teacher, who just thinks he's telling a wild story. He's kind of known for stretching the truth a little bit. Now, as this episode was starting, I kind of thought about this. And the little boy actor today is probably like, I don't know, 65 or 66 years old. That turtle co-star of his, assuming that he's well, been well taken care of, because, I mean, of course he was. Why wouldn't he be? has maybe only lived maybe a third of his life thus far. And that's kind of awesome. So if that turtle is still alive out there, uh, it's possible he is 
uh, you know, still moving along and still has a lot more time left on this planet than we do. Anyway, later on, Taro finds the two bank robbers, and one of them happens to have made off with his turtle. So he chases them and ends up driving off in the back of a truck with these two criminals. And as it turns out, um, our friends Jun, Yuri, and Ipe are nearby and learn about the robbers and how Taro had been had to have been kidnapped by them. However, they don't really show up. They don't really do anything in this episode, and they don't really show up much again in any significant way. Our three main actors basically showed up for five minutes of work that day, and then probably just, I don't know, went to McDonald's and celebrated afterwards. But when we return to Taro and the robbers, the robbers prove themselves to be kind of idiots. Um, they're not exactly smart about what they're doing. Um, but don't worry, Taro's not too bright either, as he finds their Tommy gun and starts playing around with the gun, waving it around, scaring the robbers uh, pretty much half to death. And he starts to pull the trigger, and nothing happens. So what does Taro do? He looks down the barrel of the gun while pulling the trigger to figure out why it won't shoot. The kid's an idiot. But anyway, eventually the robbers and Taro um, have to elude the police by escaping into an amusement park. Um, and Taro continues to stick with the robbers um, all the way until they end up in basically what I think is a sewage facility um, where they all fall asleep because he still wants his turtle back. When they wake up, they all discover that the turtle has grown fairly large. Scared, the robbers end up leaving to go turn themselves in and tell the cops about the giant turtle in the sewer. Now, Gameron grew to 99 centimeters, which was Taro's hope and expectation all along. Gameron also has the knack of being able to walk through walls. Now, Taro can too if he's riding Gameron's back. Now, after exiting the sewage facility, um, Taro's on Gameron's back and they're flying over the city. Interestingly, Gameron has turn signals and one of his uh, scales on his shell also has a speedometer and other gauges. Now, Gameron takes Taro underwater where he uh, basically leaves him in a bizarre make-believe world where he meets a little girl princess who eventually rides on a rocket and is chased by Taro riding Gameron. I'm, t I'm telling you, this part of this episode is really, really bizarre. But eventually, the little girl gives Taro a box and tells him to open it whenever he's in trouble. He's returned to safety, and when he tells the grown-ups where he's been, he opens the box he received to prove he wasn't lying. However, it just makes him old. But it's all an illusion. But he still can't quite convince the adults that he went to this place of his imagination. However, all of his classmates get their own turtles, hoping to someday have their own adventure like Taro did. Now let's talk about the three things I liked about these two episodes of Ultra Q. First up, from uh, Pegula is here, I really like the setting being in Antarctica. Not only does it give it a little bit of vibes from, say, like The Thing, um, but it also carries with it a lot of dangers and a lot of mystery. Uh, there was the one guy who went missing previously, Nomura. There's the odd circumstances around his disappearance about seeing a monster and being almost compelled to go outside at 3 a.m. to find out what's making a sound and so forth. It builds a, a little nice tension and knowing that the guy's been missing for three years so we know that he's, he didn't survive um, it adds a little extra. 
Um, and, uh, you know, and the ending also is very sweet how Yoko kind of spreads the the soil of, of Tokyo around Namura's grave. That's that's a really nice touch to end this episode. But I do have to say, for once, the cities of Japan are probably breathing a sigh of relief that they don't have to completely rebuild after one of these damn monsters come ra- ramp- rampaging through their city. But, um, but the second thing that I liked... Um, it's just how utterly bizarre Grow Up Little Turtle is. It's not like any of the five previous episodes at all. I think it's basically like a The Boy Who Cried Wolf type of story as Taro is constantly living in a fantasy world with his turtle. But then when there's a need for the grown-ups to actually listen to him, they won't listen, assuming that he's telling another fantastical tale. Now, does Taro really go to this dragon palace that he's always daydreaming of? Maybe, but I'm not really sure he I, that he does. Granted, uh, the box he came back with was there, but he could have gotten that anywhere. Um, and when he is apparently reunited with his family, he doesn't seem to have his turtle with him anymore. Basically, once that turtle got the 99 centimeters and delivered Taro to the dragon palace where he met that princess... I guess Gameron's job was complete and he just pounded sand, but uh, while this one has been my least favorite episode of them all to this point, I do have to say that I really like how it is something for the kids, and it can also help parents see that not all the episodes are full of scary monsters or intense situations. This one is just a child's daydream playing out for him, and it makes this episode a little weirder. But it also makes it a really nice episode, too. Now, thirdly, I like that these two episodes might have come along at a time in which maybe either a shift in the series began to happen or there was something that was kind of built in for the main actors. Now, June is in both episodes, but certainly played a much bigger part of the Pagula story as the only one of our three main cast members to appear. But he... Ipe and uh, Yuri's role is just so small in Grow Up Little Turtle. It's almost as if these episodes were either intending to go more the pure anthology road as opposed to the episodic television, or if these were maybe break episodes since the first season is 28 episodes in total. And so maybe there are just some episodes where the lead actors aren't all needed at the same capacity as they always are. But either way, it's still neat to see that this show was kind of experimenting with format and possibly letting writers go wild with ideas and grow up little turtle certainly was an episode with a wild idea now that wraps up this week's monster mondays you can catch new episodes of monster mondays each monday at filmseizure.com don't forget to follow film film seizure at facebook twitter instagram and Mastodon and subscribe to Film Seizure to get both the Film Seizure podcast and Monster Mondays at your favorite podcast providers as well as YouTube. You can also check out my website bmovieenema.com to read new review articles every Friday morning. Next time we're going to check in with our favorite cookie investigative reporter Carl Kolchak as the fourth episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker checks back in with a forgotten victim of the killer from the original Night Stalker TV movie as we go on the hunt of the vampire. Until next week, stay spooky.